Hi, I'm Rachel Dillon. And I'm Marcus Dillon. And this podcast is Who's Really the Boss, where we highlight the joys and challenges of running a business with your spouse or family. Our mission is to strengthen families and businesses by helping listeners avoid the mistakes we have made so they can lead and live happily ever after. Well, welcome back to another episode of Who's Really the Boss podcast. Uh, Marcus, welcome. And we are honored to welcome a very special guest with us, David Schneider. We'd love for you to tell a little bit about who you are. And then after you tell a little bit about who you are, we'll fill in how we met you um, and kind of that relationship as it goes back a few years. Yeah, that fun adventure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Short and sweet version. Um, I founded a company called Titan Dynamics, and we are in the health and wellness industry. We do health and wellness consulting for corporations and small to mid-sized businesses right now. Um, And we basically provide an umbrella, sort of like a benefit package for employees, for the employer down to the employees. Um, And we do that via uh, support, education, uh, accountability, and we just kind of teach and we're there on the back end to support a whole health and wellness umbrella. And this is something that the employees can obviously utilize at work, but they also get to take it home. So we have kind of like a double benefit there. And, and that's how we were able to take our, the tremendous success we had with our private work over the years. And this was our version of that at mass, like bring that to mass scale and help so many more people. Who do you work best with? What type of um, businesses or what size of businesses? Sure. Yeah. Well, our corporate work was designed in in the beginning. It was designed around uh, small businesses and mainly in kind of the finance realm, finance, accounting, uh, 10 to 20 man operations, things like that. Um, we do work with a company that is significantly larger than that. So it does work at scale as well because we bring uh, different cohorts in in waves and we work with them. We, we get them supported and worked up and then we bring in another wave. So, uh, but it was definitely designed for smaller end businesses, 10 to 20 employees, but we can pretty much handle anything. That's awesome. Point. And you mentioned kind of that private health and wellness space. Uh, and that's where Marcus and I met you. So So uh, Marcus and I found you through deciding that we wanted to get our own personal health and wellness under control, uh, but more specifically through like the nutrition channel. And so I was a lot younger and didn't care so much about the uh, health aspect. I felt like working out was good enough and that the nutrition was really going to drive the aesthetic aspect. And so that's kind of how we met you. Marcus, I would love for you to tell kind of your introduction to David since I started first and then kind of what was your experience? Yeah. Uh, first David, thanks so much for, uh, being on the conversation. Excited to see where this goes and appreciate you, man. Um, so yeah, David was our private coach. He was the guy who kind of, uh, was our accountability partner, kicked us into gear, uh, essentially from across the States, uh, slapped the donut out of our hand, I guess. <laughs> and really it goes back to the goals that you and I, and his other clients set, uh, if, if those goals weren't as important as the donut, then he just pointed that out. And so I think that's that accountability, which is key 
in, in a lot of lives. And so our journey with David, I think, began you signed up first and then I followed suit very shortly after uh, because you started getting some uh, results. And I was like, hey, I can't I can't have that. You know, I, I you know, just there, uh, it already looks too big of a uh, disconnect between why is she with this guy? So I uh, kind of up my game a little bit as well. So. Um, but we were, we were working out, we were doing the CrossFit thing at that time, um, trying not to hurt ourselves, but also at the same time, building muscle just could not see that muscle. And so then quickly learned that it's not about what you lift in the weight room. It's about what you lift on your fork. And, um, that's kind of where we had to get that into, into check. So, uh, very timely conversation because, uh, health and wellness is, is huge in today's societies today's market especially in sedentary professions um you know and we fall into that so the biggest impact is those people that sit all day and uh, i think sitting is the new smoking um so i think that's one of those pieces where excited to see where this goes absolutely thank you and that's that's a huge part of it too and that's exactly what it was designed for um the the sedentary positions people sitting eight ten even 12 hours a day during busy seasons like tax seasons crazy, as you guys know. Um, but there's workarounds for that. And that's part of what we bring to the table, too. Um, we have a doctor of physical therapy that's on staff as well. And he kind of helps assess ergonomics. And we can, there's some pretty simple ways to, to work around that that can literally add years to somebody's life and make it so you're not 40 years old with broken back and knees and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, before we jump into more of the health and wellness conversation today, uh, David, we like to ask all of our guests, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Well, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I've had a lot of good advice. I've had a lot of good mentors. Um, to narrow it down to one or two, one is that has rung true and still does and has kind of promoted the way we do business is uh, to have good intentions from the start. Um, so, and that is the foundation of our work. Like we, we literally just want to help make people better, healthier, happier. And that's like the, the root cause that we attack and we build from. And then anything that somebody wants in terms of goals always stems from that foundation. That's why we're so heavy on education and building awareness uh, because everything stems from that. And kind of it's what we did together years and years ago um, in a roundabout way, but now it's been refined so much over the last, you know, almost decade to where it is, it's a, it's an entirely built around awareness. And that's what leads to, to everything you have and even a better mindset. So having good intentions with your work um, was a big one. And my, my grandfather once told me, uh, because uh, I grew up without a dad. So my grandfather stepped in and kind of helped raise me. And he had a sheet metal shop. And I would go there and hang out and play with sheet metal all day when I was a kid. And uh, he told me he was trying to put something together and he couldn't get it to fit. And he said, if something doesn't fit, just grab a bigger <laughs> hammer. And I, I took that like literally, but also I thought about it over the years on how to like pivot and take different angles to fix problems, grab a different tool, things like that. And that has stuck with me for yeah, like 30 years. And I have directly experienced that um, working with you. I know Marcus said like that you kind of helped us to put the donut down, but I think even more so is that you helped us to achieve those goals with including that donut in. And that has been the biggest, uh, I think, 
learning for me and probably thing that I still take away is just understanding how how to reach my goals without sacrificing other things that I like and enjoy. Well, this conversation is timely and really it was prompted with uh, some work that Marcus does outside of DBA. And so Marcus, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of conversations that you've had over the last couple of weeks with other uh, firm owners or other business owners? Yeah, uh, be glad to. So I'm very fortunate, um, not only on my role at, at DBA as kind of a fractional CFO and also leading the team here, but uh, within other uh, arenas, I get to lead mastermind groups and directly talk to CPA firm owners and things like that a few times a week. So very fortunate to do that and also get a peek into what's going on into their businesses, uh, both on the client side and the, and the peer side. So. Um, it did come up the last few weeks. Um, people are frustrated right now. It's a busy time of year for them. And then when stress is high, health can be the uh, the piece that goes low, obviously, because you've got other priorities, uh, things that just have to get done, being driven by a deadline at work, and things take the backseat. So I was visiting with a, a few different friends, and they said, you know, five, five different employees are out sick today and, and they've only got 20. So you're talking about 25% of their workforce are out sick. And so you start asking questions, uh, which is what we try to do to uncover the root problem. And it's, you know, is this COVID related and, and COVID's done for the most part? I mean, it never happened in Texas and Florida, so uh, we're okay there. But I think the, uh, you start asking questions and it kind of goes back to, well, they're always out sick. They're always, they've always got something. They're always, and so it's, it's more of a, like you said, a root cause of just overall health that they're trying to battle through. But then it, it moves from like a reactionary to like, hey, we've got to get ahead of this because it, it's always the same five people. It's always the, this group of people. And so uh, that's what I've heard over and over and over again. You know, on our team, we deal with a lot of sickness, but it's mainly uh, with kids because we employ a lot of working parents. Um, but, but really, we see in our industry a lot of just sedentary unhealth, and that impacts people, especially when times are stressful. Absolutely. And like you hit it with, I believe you mentioned the priority and when stress goes up, especially without having a foundation of this kind of knowledge and awareness, um, people take themselves out of the running as a priority. So their kids become more important in the house, the job, the deadlines, taking out the trash even, then they sit at the bottom of the list and the, it just digs a deeper hole. So that through this kind of work, that's where people can manage their their uh, energy and priorities better. So when times do get tough, like tax season, you know you're working longer hours, you know it's coming and you can keep yourself at the top of that list. Cause even your, what we call like a fallback point. So when there's tons of stress, your energy is taken up by everything else. Like your last stand position is still strong because you've built these inherent habits um, through the education and being aware of them that even at, even at your um, last standpoint, you are still strong enough to withstand all of that. And it helps mitigate the stress as well through those times. But other people like you're talking about, they're, they're, they're sick, they're done. Right. And it's a, it's almost like a chronic issue. Yeah. So within small businesses, within corporate organizations, um, like you said, these are not things that are 
inherently made a priority. So what are some things like, what are some ways uh, that employers need to be thinking about how to kind of combat these situations or how to prevent these situations? Yeah, so they, they need to, to show that they care about this and on the ground floor, right? Because the employees drive everything of a company, right? So um, like a lot of what we do, they need to show support and they need to educate. Uh, accountability comes in very handy um, and making sure that they're keep, keeping themselves as the employees uh, a priority. So uh, the problem is, is you have to know about this stuff. Like to teach something, you have to you have to know it in and out. You have to have lived it, things like that. So, um, but just simply educating people, working to hold them accountable, uh, gamify, uh, gamifying the system, we've seen helps a lot. Like challenges, everybody loves a prize, right? Uh, stuff like that for promoting some of the more foundational concepts, like with nutrition um, habits, even sleep. Like sleep hygiene and routine is a big thing we work on with a, a lot of employees to help manage energy and, and overall workflows. Um, movement standards is probably one of the biggest ones because, I mean, it comes back to that sedentary lifestyle, right? So it's not uncommon to see a lot of these folks getting, you know, like 2,000 steps a day or 1,500 maybe, you know, and like that long term. Like they've done a lot of research and studies on this stuff and long term, that is very problematic. So that's probably one of the biggest things that you can do for your overall health, uh, especially uh, on a long-term basis with su uh, sustainable weight patterns or weight loss is simply walking and moving and being aware of step counts, things like that. Like it sounds so silly, but it sits at the, the top of a priority list. It's what we work on almost number one with people in tandem with awareness about other habits. But you mentioned Titan Dynamics was designed for small businesses. I feel like we hear about and just even from people I know, even my mom, she worked in a big oil and gas company and they had a gym in their building. And so you could go down and um, take advantage of some of the services. I believe they had trainers there certain days of the week and you got so many like yeah. an assessment and a couple free sessions with them. For us, that is not something that we could provide in that same manner. So tell a little bit about yeah. uh, Titan Dynamics and kind of the, the benefits to the employees that are available to a small business. And again, this was designed with, with small to mid-sized businesses in mind. Um, because it's easy to facilitate this kind of work and this kind of support. We do, we are working with a larger corporation, a thousand person company right now, and we're able to provide the same level of support and care. So it does work across um, industries and scale of employees. Um, and what we do at, at the core, there's a lot to it, but to kind of, to sum it up, we do revolve it around primary pillars and our found foundational concepts of success, basically, um, which is a support. We provide support to each and every employee there. Um, we open up multiple channels of communication to build, help build a relationship because having them feel comfortable reaching out to us or working with us, even on a semi one-on-one -on -one basis is very important. So we like to set that precedent from the beginning. Um, I even do one-on-one -on -one calls with, with every employee that's available to them. And we can sit down like you and I are and get to know each other. I can get to know what they have going on. If there's certain goals or health problems they're working on or anything like that, we can start to build somewhat of like a, an accountability plan and, and check in with, with each other and kind of keep that going. Uh, so we do that. We have a 
We do that support uh, with calls, emails, things like that. And we also have um, a big part of this is a private community that we built strictly for our clients that we bring everyone into. And there's discussion boards, there's uh, educational content on nutrition, uh, stress management, sleep, uh, fitness, there's recipes in there, like book of recipes, uh, workout programs. And then we also do, which that's the, the biggest part of this, what people like is this community. Um, and that's another avenue of communication, which, uh, and we can build threads on it. It's a similar concept to Facebook kind of. So you can comment on things and ask questions, build threads, everybody can see it and learn. Um, and then one of the biggest components we do is uh, live group coaching as well. So we'll do, kind of like whatever you want to call them, like mini seminars or like little educational courses on certain topics. Um, and we see what people are interested in, what they want to know more about. And we we kind of teach it live. And then it's all recorded. All that content is recorded in the uh, in the vault there. And so everyone can access it. So even employees that come in six months from now can access prior content and just start learning what really goes on. What was one of your kind of most recent group coaching calls? What was the content discussed? And maybe what was a question that was asked? I did one a few weeks ago for a company that we're working with right now. We're running a challenge with them, with their employees. It's a basically like a movement awareness challenge, which we're wrapping up this week, actually. Uh, people have done really well with it and, and engaged with, with it, which is awesome. Uh, so we put together a little course for them. It was a live course on NEAT which NEAT, which is non-exercise activity thermogenesis, super fancy way of saying movement, basically. That's all really it is. Um, NEAT encompasses like your caloric burn through just everyday life stuff, like walking to the bathroom, fidgeting, nodding your head, things like that. It's basically anything outside of formal exercise and sleep. So we did a course on explaining what that is and the importance of it and then easy ways to kind of pay attention to it bring it up because it actually makes up a significant amount of your caloric burn throughout the day people tend to think it's just exercise and they exercise for an hour and then they're good and they can lay down for <laughs> 23 hours and, and it's like good to go and it just it doesn't work like that like formal exercise actually burns it does not burn that many calories and you spend most of your time outside of that exercise window. So we kind of taught a little course about that and overall movement, its importance. And then people took really well to that. They enjoyed it. We got great feedback on it. We're doing another one uh, here next week and it's going to be, uh, cause a lot of people expressed more interest in just like general nutrition, nutritional parameters, how to, how to look at it, what it actually means. Cause there's, there's so much stuff out there on the internet. Um, and a lot of it's garbage, right? So we got to kind of pick through that and uh, teach people what's really going on. So we give them some ammunition to, to kind of play with, basically. So we'll be doing that next week, um, kind of like a nutrition 101 type of thing. Well, that's good. Yeah, we have to fight bad advice all day long as well. So uh, <laughs> I can only imagine in your space with uh, the influencer crowd and people that have a platform, they can say whatever they want and yeah. you have to spend most of your time debunking it. I can feel for you there. So yes. um, with with some of these employers, and I know that whenever you worked on the private side, even with Rachel and myself, if we were about to go into a cut or you know do anything, um, you start to build up a mentality of like, well, I've got to go, I've got to go get all my unhealthy habits in right now, because then David's going to kick my butt afterwards. Um, and that's a bad, that's a bad reality to get into. And I think, I think you had said, don't let a, 
don't let a bad meal turn into a bad day. Don't let a bad day turn into a bad week, a bad week turn into a bad month. So right. uh, you can see how slippery a slope it is. Um, on the on the front end, if someone's just noticing a lot of their employees are out and they know that they need to do something, what is the best first step um, that they can take? It's a good question. I think it kind of comes back to what Ra Rachel was asking, like how does a company take yeah. control of that? Um, and again, it's taking the reins somehow, which most often it's best outsourced because whoever's within that company is probably not going to have the knowledge and experience to, like if everyone needed their finances fixed, like HR is probably not going to do that, right? Yeah. You have to hire you guys or something like that. So, but they have to promote awareness, I guess was the absolute first step. People have to be aware that a problem exists before they can work to even remotely solve it. Right. So um, working to address that there is a problem, what is it like, what's the roots, which is often different than what it kind of looks like on the surface. Um, and then working to educate and promote some type of stimulus yeah. from there. Um, and if you are not in this industry and you haven't done this kind of stuff, it can be really hard because you just it, you just yeah. don't know what you're doing. Basically, so it's hard to help somebody if if you yourself are still learning and not really knowing what's going on. But taking the initiative to implement something or hire someone to implement something for you, and I would base that all around awareness because then everything else stems yeah. from that. So it's that's a great answer, and so it's that not necessarily just going buying everybody an iWatch or a Fitbit. Um, right. Yes, because I, honestly, that's a great point. A lot of companies do take somewhat of initiative in doing what you said, buying a fancy gadget, bringing somebody in to assess body fats or running a weight loss challenge is like super common. Whoever loses the most weight gets a, a day off or 500 bucks or whatever. Um, and I like the, the initiative on that end, but often it's pretty terrible and it can create some terrible habits. So oftentimes we see problems created that were not there in the first place. So, cause people are gonna race to lose weight. They don't know anything about proper mechanics or how that actually works. And they just won't eat anything or they'll exercise seven days a week, twice a day for a month and lose 30 pounds. And then that goes into this very terrible cycle of up and down, which you guys know exactly what's going on with that. So they're basically, throwing out a challenge there that they don't understand. And they're doing honestly a disservice to the employees by doing that, where if they would simply bring somebody in to educate about that, you can get the same results, but they are long lasting, sustainable, and you have happy, healthy employees instead of emaciated, mean, angry <laughs> employees with no energy. Right? So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a common thing you see. And again, I like the initiative They're They're trying to do something about it. It's just, um, they're taking yeah, the wrong just misdirected path. for sure. Yes. Yeah. So we kind of touched on the immediate problem or a common problem that we're seeing currently that people are out sick. They, they get stressed out and then kind of their immunity goes down and they're either just so exhausted or they're actually physically sick. So that's obviously a benefit to promoting a health and wellness plan or program within a small business. Uh, or even implementing, like implementing something that is hard and fast, outsourcing it, having someone come in um, and really be in charge of that. Mm -hmm. What are some other benefits to the employer? You mentioned a ton for the employee in a lot of ways that I think people would be 
willing and ready to engage um, as far as through what Titan Dynamics provides. And so what are some more benefits mm -hmm. to the employer? Partnering with us on something like this, this type of initiative and program is not common. Like you don't see this out there. Um, there's not a lot of people doing it. There's, there's health initiatives that we kind of talked about or companies will give stipends. That's a pretty common thing, $100 a month for a gym membership or you know whatever health, health and wellness they want. Um, the problems with that stuff is, again, I like the initiative. They're putting money into health and wellness in a roundabout way. But oftentimes this turns into somebody buying a gym membership and they never go. They never show up. So all it really does is add another failure point. Like signed up for the gym, never show up. I feel bad about that, right? Um, and people, especially the ones that we're talking about, they don't need more failure points. They need success points. They need momentum. They need progress. They need somebody pushing them up, not holding them down. And inadvertently, that's kind of what happens with that. Or you know, they they have the stipend to buy gym equipment that they never use at home, and it becomes a clothes rack, right, or something something like that. Uh, we see it all the time. So like. The initiative is good, but it's money that can be much more well spent if people actually become educated and get the experience to do this kind of stuff. So um, one of the benefits is you're leading the charge in terms of taking care of your employees like you. That's innovation. And you are leading from the front with actually showing that you do care about your employees overall health and wellness without just throwing 100 bucks at them a month and saying, use that if you want to. Um, and aside from that, a, a, a healthier workforce is going to be a more productive and a more efficient workforce. Like when 25% of your crew is gone, how much work are you getting done? And how much extra work is that 75% having to do, which stresses them out more, probably get sick, and then you have more, it's like a vicious cycle, right? So, so obviously having happier, healthier, more productive, more efficient employees, if we're talking strictly business, that's gonna make you more money, right? It's on the bottom line, there's no question about it. Uh, and aside from that, and if you guys didn't haven't mentioned this um, too much, but I know that it is a problem uh, with staffing issues, right? And especially in this type of industry, it really all over the place. Staffing is probably one of the number one problems. Um, finding good people, and then the trick to maintaining and keeping those good people, right? It's tough. Uh, so with something like this it just makes it that much more attractive. So if somebody has choices to work for a company and somebody's doing a health and wellness initiative, right off the bat, I can tell that they actually care about their employees a lot. So that you know, can kind of influence some decision-making and then the retention tactics from that for the employees that are already there. Uh, with one of the companies that we're working with right now, we're, again, we're rolling out Q2, bringing more people in and um, their CFO did a short presentation to those employees who are on the finance team. Uh, and I did a video for them introducing myself and the company and what they're about to get into and how it's gonna look. And they were over the moon excited about it. They got, uh, she got feedback from some people there saying that uh, they were very thankful that the company was doing that. They've never seen that in any job that they've had before and they're excited to kind of seek help with it. So we're already seeing that like that retention ability and keeping good people around because people know if the company cares about them, like you, you know that most people are just like, yeah, this company doesn't care. They want bottom line stuff. Um, but I've talked to a lot of people that work for a good company that takes care of them very well. And you can just, you can hear and see the loyalty from them. 
Like they're, they're not leaving. They love that company. So uh, that's another benefit to it is, is promoting that and helping to kind of kind of fix staffing issues, retention and attraction too. Now, the other the other piece that we see qu quite a bit, David, is um, Rachel and I talk a lot about what is wealth. Um, she's asking some really hard questions uh, right now to me. And how do I define wealth? And, and part of your health is your wealth. Um, I think, and people evaluated that um, going into COVID, coming out of COVID, what's really important and uh, being able to not only live longer because you've got the funds to do it, but also because you have the health to enjoy that life um, is, is very important. And, you know, going through personal situation right now with Rachel's grandma, who's 96 years old. Um, and, and all of yeah. that. And, and it's the same conversation that Rachel and her dad and uncle are having with doctors about protein and, you know, is she getting enough protein into her day and water and things like that? Yeah. So um, it doesn't matter if you're 26 or 96, you know, some of the science in all of this is the same, uh, regardless of age. It is. And there's a lot that goes into getting to be 96 especially in this day and age, like it's like, if you fast forward a few, few decades, like it's not, it's not going to be as common, especially with the way people live right now. So that, that's a great point. I was thinking about that earlier too, um, earlier this week about kind of your concept on wealth and what it means. And um, this is part of the way to kind of solve some of these problems. Cause you have a big house, nice cars, everything in the world you want, tons of money, but if you can't move, or you have trouble breathing, or you're always sick, uh, you can't bend over, tie your shoes, you know, simple things like this, how much do you actually get to enjoy that? You know, and so the the health and wealth thing takes on a, a little bit different angle from there once you really understand it. So, and it just needs to take more of a precedence, really, that's what it needs to do, more of a priority. That's really good. I know Marcus and I talk a lot about leaving people better off than when we found them. And mm -hmm. so, if you start with a team or a team member who starts with you, maybe when they're younger and probably healthier and they work and they give you everything they have. And then when they get ready to retire, they're not able to really enjoy it because they're not healthy. They haven't taken care of themselves throughout that whole time. And I think this is just another way that as leaders, we can give back to those people who have given so much of their lives to us, to our clients, to our organization. It's an investment in your employees and their future. You know, it has, it has ramifications long, long term, you know, favorable outcomes. What are some barriers for small business owners to implementing a health and wellness program? It's not even financial. It's more the time, I think. And so you delay what you know you should do today and you think that you will always have tomorrow. And so I think that's the piece where, especially in this season of life that most of our industry is in, they'll think about yeah. becoming healthier after tax season. And then they'll reward themselves yeah. with, oh, I did such a good job. I'll just carry it a little longer. Then you get into the summer months and I was like, I really wish I had that beach body that I had in my twenties, even though that's not attainable anymore. But, um, so I think you delay what you know you should be doing, um, today. So I think the first step is just realization and making small changes today 
you can't get off your couch and go run a marathon. You have to walk before you run. So what are the small changes? What are the movement pieces and, you know, the podcast and everything we listen to, uh, where you get into that habit, whether you're listening to James Clear or anybody like that, you just start putting in place mm -hmm. those foundational building blocks, take one step and you're going to thank yourself for it, uh, your future self. Yes. So that's probably what David sees a lot too. Uh, I do not think it's financial. I think it is purely time related. There's honestly, from what we've seen, and you guys can touch on this too, as a small business, right? Um, there are not many, there are not many legitimate barriers to this. Um, budget is always going to be a thing that can be talked about, but in the, in the grand total scheme of this, it is not a big percentage of any budget or total revenue, especially when you do the cost benefit ratio mm -hmm. on this for the employees. Um, and everything is customizable with what we do. That's why. So when we do enter a partnership with a business, we establish a primary point of contact and we get to know their business intimately. Well, we get to know their employees before we even do anything because everything is catered to what they need. So we talk on the inside. Um, one barrier that I would say is, is apparent, especially right now, is simply awareness and visibility, like knowing that this exists. Like not many people would even know that this type of thing is an option. So the visibility part of it and the awareness that this is actually a thing that could be an option for a company, that's, that's one barrier that we have going on right now. And I would say that's, that's the biggest one. And then once they are aware of it, and it's visible, realizing the priority that it would take, like making it a priority in your business. That's probably the second biggest thing, getting people to, to see how much of a benefit it would be for, for both the business and the employees. And again, it's something the employees benefit inside the office and outside the office. Before COVID, when we were in office as a team, we actually put some initiatives in place. Each day we asked each person to get with another team member and take a 10 minute walk so they could schedule like actually put on a calendar like send a calendar invite or put a time plan it ahead of time um, and walk for at least 10 minutes together and then kind of gave them some instructions about like on the way away from the building they could talk about um work and then on the way back it needed to be like more personal so kind of gave them some guidelines on how to set this up and how to do it but really that takes somebody within the organization to be in charge of that and to hold people accountable to doing that so i know when marcus mentioned time it's like yeah, who's going to do that who has time to do that who wants to do that and will be you know kind of diligent and consistent with making that effort. And so I think you're right on awareness because people, maybe they do want to DIY it <laughs> and start something and then realize this isn't sustainable long-term for us. So I love that Titan Dynamics can come in and put this in place. They can have a point person to work with, but it's not going to take away hours of their work day every day to help manage the program. They get to focus on their business and doing their job, which is, which is helpful. And to your point with the, the do it yourself stuff or, or anything you implement, one of the biggest things is doing it for the right reasons. And that's what coming back to like the weight loss challenges or this, that, or the other thing it's, that's the missing component. 
there's nobody there that can really educate on what they're doing and what it means long term. It's always a short term shotgun blast type thing when it needs to be educated and spread out. So having the having the reasoning and the understanding is what will make like those 10 minute walks. They'll understand what that actually means long term and they'll be much more likely to ingrain that habit. And you can pull back on accountability because it'll end up becoming like brushing your teeth for them. Like, oh, hey, I just, I go for two 10 minute walks a day. It's my favorite part of the day, right? And that's like, that's the ultimate goal. That's what you wanna get people to do, but that's done through awareness and education. What are kind of the minimum things that should be included for an effective program? I guess we can just always come back to our pillars there. And I would say support, education, and accountability. And if you wanna go one more, I'd say Mm -hmm. engagement. But those three to four things, are what you're gonna need to have an effective program that not only works for your 30 days or 60 days, whatever you label it, but works long-term. Because you don't want employees focusing on health for 30 days and then going back to whatever it is they did, right? That's not the point. And people have to realize that. We're looking for a, a shift in mindset, like totality, a total shift. And that stuff takes time. It really does, but that's when that's when it starts to click and they can basically build new habits. So it's like habit reformation, basically. Um, it takes time, but that's where the support and the education heavy um, component there, that's what that's for. Because if people understand what you're telling them to do, they're much more likely to do it. Because you guys, we can get on the same page instead of just saying, do this because I told you to and it's awesome, that's great. But if they understand why you're actually doing that and how it benefits them, it builds, it helps build that relationship too. So there's a lot of trust there and they're going to start building better habits. I would love to hear more about the accountability aspect of your program. Absolutely. So again, everything that we do for a company is, is uh, customizable depending on the size of the company, the scope, what their goals are, what the employees need to work on, all that kind of stuff. But um, what we do every time is we leave a lot of open doors. So there's no, it's not just a one-way cookie cutter platform. We leave a lot of open doors of communication. And what we found is it starts to build a level of comfort. And that's when you see people will come out and reach out to you on the one-on-one channel. So they'll send you a message, send you an email, uh, they'll book a call because um, Anyone can book a meeting with me anytime if they need to do, if they need to go through something, they want to talk through a a stressful event, they want to figure out how to lose weight because it's been bothering anything like that. We leave the one-on-one channel open to help build that support. And then from there, we can, we can put them on a path of accountability and we can do that through the collective, which is our private community. We can do it on the outside um, because in that community, they have their own, every company has their own private space. So it's just that company and employees that, uh, and there's a discussion board, that's where we run our challenges and we can also go back and forth with our one-on-one. So the people that do take advantage of the one-on-one it ends up being very helpful. I mean, that's a service that they have that they can take advantage of any time. Um, and people will do it kind of in waves, like when during high stress times or we're going into the summer. So somebody wants to lose weight or they want to focus on this or better habits. Um, and that's kind of what we see. We've even had people ask us things that are not related to nutrition, fitness or anything at all. So it's just it's overall health and wellness and how to manage better habits. So that's it's probably one of the 
one of the most fun aspects of the work is is the one-on-one -on -one connection when people start to reach out to you and and realize like oh i can talk to this company about pretty much anything that helps to make me better. No, that's great, David. Uh, love all aspects of it. Seems like an easy win for not only the employer and the and the employee. Um, and just you've you've figured out some things, man. So going back to kind of how we worked with you in the past, we learned a lot about sleep hygiene, about uh, working out and rest, and about managing stress. And a, most importantly, I think, is really about planning ahead. <laughs> that was maybe the biggest thing is that if you want to do something and you plan for it, you can make it fit. You can, you can make whatever you want to do, whatever you want to eat, whatever, wherever you want to go. If you plan ahead and you start taking steps towards that plan, you can make that happen. And so that was really good, but you do have a very extensive knowledge on, uh, exercise and nutrition, health and wellness, you see all of the misinformation that's out there. So as a bonus, would you give us like maybe the three to five misconceptions, maybe that bug you the most that are out there that people kind of hold on to as truth? I mean, one that's been around for a long time, like carbohydrates are bad or they make you fat, right? Something to in that vein, which is not true this at all. <laughs> it's all about managing your intake, right? So carbohydrates themselves are not going to make you fat. They're not bad. Now, there is like with nutrition specifically, there's a lot of individual components there. So there are people that would do much better on a low carbohydrate diet. They control things much better. They moderate their energy and uh, they feel much better. So that's great for them. But that doesn't mean like people tend to demonize things. It's an all or nothing. And when it when this really comes down to a very individual concept, so something like that is is pretty much a trash statement. Like that's not true. Um, I was in the best shape of my life when I was eating I feel like seven hundred <laughs> grams of carbohydrates a day. <laughs> like, so, um, and I've helped a lot of people on very high carbohydrate diets. So it's a very individual thing. So that one, that one's been around for a long time. One thing that I'm sure you guys have heard, and it's been a pretty common thing. Now this is for women. Um, they are scared to lift weights because they think they're going to turn into like a man or they're going to get like super huge and jacked. Uh, I've heard that a lot and seen it a lot. And that's simply not true either. Like it's, a, they have no idea what level of dedication and effort and consistency and eating and years of training that goes into just even just looking like me and I'm like nothing special. Right. So that that's, that's a very common misconception and it keeps a lot of, it keeps a lot of women out of the gym or out of lifting and they just kind of do cardio or things like that. And lifting is, is so healthy for you overall, even down to bone density and tendon ligament strength. Um, and then as you age, it's a great predictor of long-term health. So picking up a weight doesn't magically turn you into a man. I would say that is a big one. Um, the healthiest women that I've ever worked with lifted weights all the time. And they were all very, womanly beautiful women they're not manly at all so it doesn't work like that for the third one i guess having like a magical cutoff time at night have mm -hmm. you ever heard that like you can't eat past 6 p.m or don't eat past 8 p.m and you're gonna you're gonna look great um that's that's all terrible terrible <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense anyways um so that's not true it's all about just again like awareness and management like most of the time I eat probably 80% of my calories at after like nine o'clock at night. 
and I've done that for years, right? But my calories are managed. Like I know how much food I'm eating. So it doesn't really matter when you eat it. I work best in the morning, like fasted, I guess, if you want to call that. I just haven't eaten yet. Um, I run on the coffee and until I eat and then I'll go six, eight hours of working and then I'll eat at night. So, and we've had clients that do absolutely everything in between people that eat like 10 times a day, somebody that eats once a day, they fast, they don't fast, eat at night. It's all good. Uh, it doesn't matter. So it comes down to management. So um, that's a common misconception that can get dangerous because people will just pile in everything they want and then say, oh, it's eight o'clock. I'm good. I'll be healthy if I stop eating. And it's just, it really, really <laughs> does not work like that, like it, at all. So um, maybe that's helpful for some people. I don't know if that's still a thing, but that was big like a few years ago. I used to hear that all the time. There's there's a, there's a million different things, especially when you get into the exercise type of stuff. We'd have a, we'd have a 20 hour long podcast. No, it's good. Um, you know, it's funny cause I think Rachel and I were just laughing whenever you explained, um, you know, somebody looking jacked in the gym and, uh, reminded of, uh, the morning crew that we work out with in our little gym. And, uh, one of the older guys who's, uh, worked out his entire life came running over to Rachel one day and said, you see that, you see that lady over there? She's like, yeah she's on steroids and it's like, you know, it's just, um, you know, that, that's, that's the fear. Yeah. It wasn't Rachel. Uh, but yeah, it was, um, it was somebody else in the gym and, and who knows, she may have been on a cycle of, of something, but, um, but yeah, that's the yeah. fear, uh, that we hear a lot of times for both, both sides, male and female that, Hey, I'm going to look a certain way, but even like our daughters, you know, and, and swimmers and, I don't want to look like a man. I don't want yeah. to have shoulders like a man. And it's like, well, that's the muscle that's going to carry you through your sport. And like, that's just what yeah. it is. So um, very good stuff, man. You debunked so many myths right there uh, to kind of, to kind of close this out. <laughs> sure. so. I do. I do want y'all to know that uh, when he told me that I was hurt because he was not talking about me, <laughs> he was talking to me. And that did become my goal for 2023 is for everyone at the gym to say, oh, she's on steroids. <laughs> That's like the best thing from a consultant seat or like where I sit. If I can see clients a few years down the road, maybe I haven't worked with them lately and they're just killing it. They're in great shape. Everything's going well. Like that's a testament to the work right there. And that's one of my favorite things that and getting people off from long-term yeah. medication. Those are my two. Absolutely. Two so what should people prioritize if it's not the carbs, if it's not the meal timing, if they're not so scared of lifting a weight, what should be, what are maybe the top three things people should be prioritizing for overall health and wellness? And what I have clients do even on the uh, corporate side as well, is we set a table of non-negotiables. So, and we give it as like kind of homework in the beginning because it sets the tone for the entire work session. Uh, so we come up with two to three non-negotiable things that they will do every day. And that's how we start to build habits. And then we stack them from there. And so it gives them something to focus on. They're usually really simple because the non-negotiables it's in, it's in the title, right? Like you don't have an option. You will get this done today. It doesn't matter what happens in your life. Uh, so you have to be really careful and intentional when you set these non-negotiables, but we usually have one that revolves around some type of movement. Like maybe, maybe it's uh, you'll get 5,000 steps today, or you'll go for a, a 20 minute walk every day, something like that, it's, or exercising kind of lumping into one. Um, and then taking control of your food 
at least in a very simple fashion, is a great way to start. You don't have to track everything. You don't have to weigh your food. You don't have to be crazy about it, but simply start paying attention to how you eat. And honestly, what we see work really well is starting to minimize processed foods and just start to eat more whole single ingredient foods. So we have like a list of, of foods that we give people sometimes that kind of help them get started. And the more you base your intake around these, like what are healthy foods, what everybody knows is healthy. Um, and as that percentage goes up, you'd be amazed at like what that fixes and how good people feel. Cause we often see people that are unhealthy and you ask them how they feel. And they're <laughs> like, I feel fine, I feel normal, but they don't know what feeling good feels like because they've never felt that way. So when we get them on track, say maybe a month or two in and they're really doing it, they're like, wow, this is what feeling good really feels like. I, I can't believe that, you know, and we see that all the time. So, but that's just taking some awareness about food and how you're eating and what your habits are and dissecting those basically and start promoting some movement. And from there, just those two pillars will get you started in a good place. And then we start working on your brains. And your mind. That's where it gets tough. <laughs> that is where, where it gets very tough, but it is extremely worthwhile oh, sure. investment because that is what, that's what carries you long-term. The physical stuff, honestly, it's simple. It's rather easy and anybody can do it. It's quick. Like the physical stuff, like what we did back in the day is not very difficult, right? So if we were to do what we do now, you, you really have to dig into stuff because that's how you change you actually change somebody, not just lose 15 pounds and get a six pack because that can quickly go away. But if you change what's up here, that's much longer lasting. Awesome, man. Well, this has been great, David. I appreciate it. If people wanted to find you, uh, what's the easiest way to do that? Yeah, so we have a, a website. Um, it's uh, titandynamics.space. Yeah. I can send that link over to you. And we also have a LinkedIn, a yeah. LinkedIn profile. Sweet. Thank you so much. Thank both of you so much for this conversation. It's been excellent. And uh, we'll see you guys later. Thanks for hanging with us to the end of another episode. If you have thoughts, comments, or feedback you would like to share, please leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast listening platform. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Join us again next week for another great conversation.